0: Welcome to Caramel Chic Radio, a show created for women of any age. Today, my goal is to motivate you to make this world a better place, one woman at a time. Someone once told me that to change the world, we first have to change ourselves. Therefore, on our show, we will talk about women's inspiration, self-improvement, love, family, and even business matters. The good things and the bad the failures and victories, because life wouldn't be called as such if it didn't have its peaks and valleys. Most importantly, if you're craving some real, honest girl talk, uplifting stories, and want to get fired up about this thing called life, this show is for you. But don't forget to have fun and enjoy every moment, because Caramel Chic Radio is all about life, love happiness, and a little bit of sweetness. Let's go! Join me today for a candid conversation with a girl who's not afraid to speak her mind while building a great organization and still passionately talking about her faith. All this not without obstacles, rejections, but also triumphs and though we planned on speaking for only about 20 minutes this captivating interview about the important things we must talk about turned into a much longer chat i truly enjoyed our meeting and found myself fascinated by listening to the stories this bright young woman shared with me so much that i almost forgot about the time i'm so eager to share this episode with you so please tune in today i have the pleasure of speaking with lyric gilett founder and executive director of faces of choice a pro-life organization welcome Gillette.: thank you so much for having me on oh you're very welcome it's my pleasure tell us a little bit more about faces of choice
1: well, I started Faces of Choice with a single objective, and that was to highlight a demographic of survivors that has gone largely unnoticed, those who were aborted but actually survived the process. And so the mindset behind this is that every great humanitarian effort or every civil rights movement of our era has had the face of a survivor attached to it. And that just brought the the conflict outside of some nebulous concept and imbued humanity to it. And so, my hope with this Faces of Choice was to do the same. To help people understand that choice is not merely a word, choice is actually a person. And it was my hope that everyday average Americans who view this, who don't typically think of life will have a paradigm shift when they think of the word choice that they will actually see the face of a survivor attached to that word very nice what inspired
0: you to start on uh, this organization was there some kind of event or a lifetime
1: no life has always yeah. just been a very integral part um I keep saying life. I mean the pro-life understanding. Um, if we if we remove the truth of who we are, that we are created in the image of God mm-hmm. and that we are image bearers, if we continuously desecrate that truth, um, if we cannot even acknowledge the humanity of the pre-born in the womb, then there really is not much objective truth left. That is so foundational and so fundamental to our identity as humans that There's just not a lot left. And so that has been a continual um, pattern and understanding of my life. Um, My parents, uh, also the way that they raised me, they, before I was born in the late 80s or the early 90s, they were involved with um, Jay Sekulow, who uh, at the time was fighting to protect individuals in Texas where I live who are praying outside of Planned Parenthood. And that went to a Supreme Court case in Texas and they fought alongside of him and they won that case. So there has definitely been, you know, a culture of life in my family. Um, My mother created posters, you know, after Roe v. Wade that said, pro-life, the real choice for woman and child. So it's definitely something that was inculcated from my youth, but it's not just something that I picked up or that I caught like a cold from my family. It's, it's something that is truly intrinsic to who I am. Um, you know, I I believe um, these tenets as a fundamental part of my person, and so, directly relating to faces of choice. I really had been thinking what element of our culture needs to change a cultural understanding in order for us to have real progress. And so just thinking these types of thoughts, these types of uh, trajectories, I I know this um, when I went to bed one night, I think I was still in my college college years a few years ago. I woke up in the middle of the night, I think God woke me up with this idea, and I just wrote the script down for the long video that you see, the two-minute video, mm-hmm. and then I fell back asleep, and I woke back up in the morning, and there it was, all written out in my, in my handwriting. So that, that really was just kind of the beginning, and from there, I started looking for survivors, and I reached out to Melissa Odin, who is with the Abortion Survivors Network, Um, She created that network about eight years ago and has been trying to bring other survivors of abortion together. And so I reached out to her and it's really just been a journey from that point of trying to find other survivors and then producing this project.
0: How long have you been around? What do you mean? Like when did you start the organization?
1: Oh, oh. Um, well, it was officially started uh, legally in September of last year. But the idea has been around for about four years. And it's just been, you know, we even applied, my media buyer even applied to Fox in July. So that was a couple of months before we had officially formed as a legal uh, organization.
0: Right. And actually, that was my next question. I was going to ask you about uh, challenges that you faced while managing the organization. And I happened to read an article about and a Facebook post also about the fact that Fox didn't want to air your ad. Did you want to talk about that?
1: Sure. That was really an incredible situation that transpired and it has absolutely exploded in the media over the past week. I think that God kind of knew what he, not kind of, God knew what he was doing because we started off, my media buyer sent in our application or began the application process rather by calling to Fox July 29th of 2019. And We began this process far before most organizations do. We were one of the first to apply. And so we began that process in July and answered all of the questions and met all of the stipulations and worked with them until November of 2019. We had initially been told to expect some type of answer in October, but one was never forthcoming. And so when November came around, we still had not received any answer. We were doing everything that was requested of us continually asking Fox, what else is needed for an answer? Um, please just give us an answer. Even if it's a no, you know, we we're adults, we can handle a no, just right. give us the dignity of a response according to standard business practice. And so that never happened. And November rolled around and it was close to the end of November, I believe, right before Thanksgiving. And we were told to expect an answer soon because apparently the sales division of Fox Sports was very upset with how legal was protracting the situation, not giving us a response. So the vice president of sales flew up from Chicago to New York to have a discussion with him about what was going on. And we were told to expect an answer within a certain period of time you know, on a certain day. And so that day rolls around. We don't have any response. The entire business day passes. We receive no word. And then we hear that evening that the Super Bowl has been sold out. We find out through the industry. So from July to November, we have been really stonewalled with no clear trajectory of what needs to happen for an answer. And we're told November 18th, That quote, this is not a sellout situation. We were told this. And then a few days later, on the day that we're told to expect something by way of an answer, we find out that they're sold out. And so my media buyer told me, look, I've been in this industry for a very long time. And I know for a fact that every year when the Super Bowl sells out, A little bit later, spots open up, either due to just additional spots being created or advertisers dropping out because they cannot make payment or there's a controversy. Something happens and additional spots open. So she said, what we need to do is reach out to Fox again and ask them to please give us a response, either a yes or or excuse me, either a clearance or a no. And so that's what we did. We reached out to them immediately and said, we're asking for you to still give us an answer. That way, if you do clear us, if the answer is a yes, and if something opens up in the future, we will have the ability to step into that spot. We'll be eligible. And so we went back and forth and really didn't get much of an answer until December either 12th or 13th. uh, We have an email and the email states by one of the head uh, individuals of legal at Fox you will um, expect an answer from us very soon. And so a week transpires, a week passes, and we receive another email which stated that they have decided, they were negged, and they decided that unless and until a spot opens up for uh, the Super Bowl, they will not review faces of choice for clearance. So let's think about that. From July to November, they could not provide us an answer, and yet we are somehow expected to believe that should a spot open, they will review our application and make a decision within that day, giving us the actual chance to be eligible for the open spot. That's ridiculous. And so we realized that that was their way of saying no without saying no. Just not being willing to give us an answer, but in January we learned that five spots opened up, and my immediate buyer immediately reached out to Vox. We received no answer, and that is when Jason Yates with my uh, my Faith Votes, um, we made contact. I made contact with him, and he offered incredibly to put together a petition drive and an email drive on our behalf to reach out to fox and so within a matter of just a few days we received um or not we received we sent over one hundred and fifty six thousand emails to fox asking them to give us an answer and so they never did they never did answer us they never did provide an answer an interview with the Washington Examiner and another with the Washington Times, both of those journalists reach out to Fox. And of course, many other you know, networks and and just uh, entities for interviewing also reached out to Fox. None of them ever received an answer. Um, from the Blaze to, to the Daily Caller, the Daily Signal, the FRC, nobody received an answer. But the Washington Times and the Washington Examiner did. And the answer that they received was... So asinine that I thought, you know, an, an intern must have, must have made it because what was said was that, and I'm quoting, we regret to inform that Super Bowl 54 sold out at a record pace this year, and we were therefore unable to accommodate faces of choice. So they're considering it a record pace in selling between July and November. Mm-hmm. They couldn't give us an answer in that period of time. So it just seems to me that it's very clear that they did not operate according to standard business practice. And that further exemplified by the fact that during that November to December period, they still would not give us an answer. It just seems very clear that this had nothing to do with a standard operation. It was it was intentional to refuse to give us a response.
0: What do you think that they were afraid of? I mean, I like when people tell me you know, straight answer, yes or no. And it seems like they were just playing with you and not being straightforward and honest. Why, why do you think they were so well, afraid? Well, I think they
1: didn't want a rejection to give me a rejection because they were afraid that that could be used in the media. Um, mm-hmm. I talked to my media buyer about this because I had the same question. Why can't they just give us... Because we had also reached out to ABC um, for the Olympics, or excuse me, for the Olympics, for the Oscars. Mm-hmm. We're also considering the Olympics. And they told us no within a 24-hour period of time. And they, they gave us a reason. It was in accordance with their standard practice. They don't have commercials that are for causes or for awareness. That's what they stated. And so that's fine. We said, okay, thank you. Thank you for your answer. You answered within a 24-hour period. You showed us your your standard practice and the reason why, and you gave us an answer. No hurt feelings. That's great. Right. So, you know, I asked the same thing of my media buyer, and she said it's probably because they're afraid of a rejection campaign. And it's ironic that, you know, God kind of worked this out with this petition, that there still was a lot of media. Is that petition still
0: active on your website? It is. is. Um, So our listeners can go to facesofchoice.org and sign the petition if they want to, right?
1: They can. and They might want to change. So the email itself uh, was asking Fox to clear the spot. But if your listeners still want to make their voices heard, they can make their displeasure known to Fox that they did this. Yeah. Um, so they'd have to change the text of the pre-written email a little bit. But yes, that's still available. And, you know, the main objective is, like I said, ideas have consequences and words have consequences. And an old professor of mine stated that when words lose meaning, people lose their lives. And it's so true. And so that's why the objective of this campaign was to change the misnomer of choice, like I said earlier, to as humans we tend to separate the humanity from things that make us uncomfortable you can see that that is even what nazi germany did with the jews they rendered them inhuman and you know we've done that in many different elements throughout our culture and so that is why we're trying to imbue humanity back into the situation of life because you can even look at at, um For instance, the civil rights movement. Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King Jr. gave face to what was transpiring. Um, Ali Wiesel from Auschwitz gave face to the inhumanity of what was transpiring there. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I'm trying to accomplish here is that when people say pro-choice, that they are supporting the choice of abortion, I want them to understand that when you say that and you look at the survivor of abortion, Logically, what you were saying is that you are against their survivor, excuse me, against their survival because you were for the choice of their abortion. And so I want I want the humanity of this issue. It's not a political issue, or at least it shouldn't be. It's a human issue. And I want people to understand that. And so when you asked what what Fox Sports was afraid of, I almost think that they weren't just afraid of of things from their own business perspective. I almost think that they were afraid that. The paradigm shift in our country would actually take place if over 100 million people were forced to face the choice. But you know what? I, I've i read some of the,
0: you know, I've read the article that, about them rejecting you guys. And I'm thinking like they hurt themselves by stringing you along like that because now these articles are circulating on the web and they're, yeah. Fox News is getting a bad name, you know, not you. You're the one that got rejected. So... Why not just be brave and straightforward with people?
1: Yeah, I, I also know that from what I heard about the halftime show, that there was a lot of messaging regarding um, female empowerment. And I think it's very unfortunate that we have associated abortion with female empowerment, especially considering that, you know, for individuals who have um, who in their first pregnancy in abortion, their cancer rates spike, Um, considering the fact that mental health is so closely connected to post-abortive women, that there's so much trauma involved. It's not empowering to women to say that we have to interrupt our biological natural processes to be successful. But I, I did hear that there was messaging relating to, I believe the Empire State Building had recently been lit up in, uh, in pink in homage to Planned Parenthood. And apparently some of the way that uh, Jennifer Lopez was posturing, she was, I believe, holding a pole and she was like dressed in some kind of pink attire and there was the female empowerment or the female symbol rather um, and some other things going on. So I, I wonder if there was some messaging that was paying homage or or obeisance to Planned Parenthood in that entire process. And if that was the case, if that is actually accurate, that that was going on, then it makes more sense to me why they outright refused to play this commercial.
0: Right, right. So what are your next steps with Fox? Are you just going to hold on to the petition and see what happens or any other plans?
1: Well, with Fox, it's over. The Super Bowl has come to an end and so they will not be running it next year. CBS mm-hmm. is running the Super Bowl next year. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, CBS is also the network that um that put forth Tim Tebow's pro-life ad. His was the only other pro-life Super Bowl ad mm-hmm. that has ever run. And so I believe that was in 2007. And so that was, you know, that was a successful run for him. And so we've already reached out to CBS. We're hoping to get an answer soon. I told my media buyer, let's let's apply now. That way they'll have five extra months to make their decision. Mm-hmm. And so so we've reached out and those are our next steps We're, like I said, considering the Olympics and going to see what what potential avenue that could lead. But the main point here is to get this, the survivors' stories and the survivors' voices heard. And so what we're asking people to do is to go to our social media. Um, Our handle for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are all at face the choice. It's not faces of choice, but at face the choice. We're asking people to go there and we are continuously sharing their stories. You can find all of the ones we currently have uploaded, but we, we are in the process of recording more. But you can find the current ones on our YouTube channel, and you can just type in hashtag Faces of Choice or hashtag Face the Choice in YouTube, right. and all of our videos and channel will pop up. But stories have the power to really change things, and I need, I want people to look these survivors in the eye. That's that's mm-hmm. what one of the lines is it's Can you look me in the eye and tell me that I didn't deserve to survive? I want I want people to actually confront the the reality of choice and what it is and you know there's something interesting Joanna I've always I've always called the pro abortion uh, mentality the hierarchy of the right to speak because according to this idea men don't have the right to speak to the the issue of abortion because they're men and they can't get pregnant and the, the next degree of this hierarchy is that women women are slightly above men just just women in general because women in general can get pregnant but the individual that has the most right to speak according to this hierarchy is not just a woman in general not just a woman who's been pregnant but a woman who has actually had an abortion that's their logic and while I don't agree with this, while I don't agree that the morality of an issue is at all contingent on your experiential relationship to it, you know, because morality is objective, if you're going up this hierarchy, I would contest that the person at the top of this hierarchy is not the woman who has had an abortion. Rather, the person who should have the final word on this discussion is the individual who was aborted but survived. And so I believe that abortion survivors completely change this dynamic. Um, they change the discussion from every possible vantage. And so I would just ask moving ahead as we as we walk towards CBS, as we walk towards other media outlets to get this message out there, that your listeners would take part and go to our YouTube channel and share their stories, learn the stories of these survivors, but then share them with everyone, you know, especially people who are not already pro-life. Right. Right it's so important
0: to talk about it you know i've noticed also like abortion is is either talked about kind of like that it's okay you know that it's your 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 body your choice as a woman but then i noticed that you know when we talk about the pro life movement it's like a, it's, it's becoming like um uncomfortable topic mm-hmm. you know and also <laughs> like miscarriage too nobody talks about that you know these 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 topics that are so uncomfortable for our society
1: yeah and they're so, important. It's kind of right. it's very odd that religion and politics are the two topics that are supposedly taboo, and yet those two topics have the most impact on our culture as a whole. Right.
0: Yeah, they do. I was going to ask you about your accomplishments, but you talked about making the videos with the survivors, so I would think that mm-hmm. this is a major accomplishment for you, getting these people to talk. Would you want to add any any accomplishments
1: to this as an organization? You know, we're a very new organization, and so we were just going for the Super Bowl and asking God to <laughs> to make that happen. But like I said, I think He has other plans. But, you know, it was it was an exciting debut that we had um, in D.C. at the March for Life. The long video, the, the initial script that I wrote was for a two-minute video. It was not for the, the short 30-second commercial that, that a lot of your viewers have probably seen. Our, our two-minute commercial that um, was the initial target was actually shown at the March for Life in D.C., and um, it was shown actually, it was um, unveiled by one of our survivors, Melissa Oden, who's actually in the video, and it was played on stage just a few minutes after President Trump finished his speech. So mm-hmm. I think that was a, a really encouraging and momentum-filled start to Faces of Choice. That was our first public launch because I had decided to keep this quiet prior to the Super Bowl. I honestly didn't want, my thought was I didn't want to give Planned Parenthood the heads up that a pro-life organization was doing this because they have countless funds at their disposal and could easily, easily at the drop of a hat, you know, apply something for the Super Bowl. So I kept this very quiet. So Mm -hmm. um, our launch was incredible. You know, Jeannie Mancini and the the group at, at March for Life were wonderful and And showing that and just giving survivors an incredible platform and voice. I'm sure you have
0: a lot of goals for the future. And I'm so uh, impressed with the fact that you use the word survivor because it's such a strong word. I like that. I like to hear that. You know, it it just sends such a message. I watch a couple of your videos Mm. of the people talking about, you know, their stories. And, you know, when they say survivor, it's like, you know, like wakes you up. Yeah, they really are survivors, you know, I mean, they could have been
1: never born, but they are because somebody made that choice. Um, Melissa Odin survived a saline infusion abortion where she literally was was soaking in a toxic solution in her mother's womb for five days that was meant to poison and scald her to death. And she survived. How did she survive? I think that God is the only explanation for that. Um, yeah. she if you, you've probably seen her she's a beautiful woman she has no marks on her skin you know she looks incredible um, mm-hmm. but her birth records and her medical records clearly state what she survived there's no question about it wow. um, you know our other survivor Hope Hoffman um, who has the head injury um, she survived a DNC abortion and her medical records talk about how her skull and her cranium are partially scraped away um, mm-hmm. due to the failed abortion. So these are truly survivors. Um, you know, we have Josiah Presley, who survived a curatage abortion in South Korea, and mm-hmm. you can see his, his deformed arm as a result. These individuals are battle scarred. they They have wounds to show the weight of what they have been through. And honestly, Joanna, that's actually something that really If anything angered me, I think what angered me was the fact that these individuals had their voices nearly stolen from them at the very Mm -hmm. beginning of their lives. And now we somehow deem it appropriate to, as a culture, as a media culture, marginalize them out of existence and ignore them into oblivion. Their voices have been silenced again. And I think it's so unsettling, especially in an era where we say that we are for survivors, whether it's through the Me Too movement or any other number of efforts to. Believe all survivors or to give a voice or a face to survivors. Why have we deemed that survivors of abortion are somehow less human and less worthy than any other type of survivor? Well,
0: let's hope that's going to change. And what are your goals for the future? Um, Do you have any plans at all?
1: What what do you see in itself in five years from now? I would hope, well, in five years, I would hope that our culture's perspective on abortion has completely changed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That may be a bit. A bit of naivete on my part, but it's really more of a hopeful prayer that when confronted with the face of choice, our culture will change. And so the goals are to make this The media wing of the survivors. Melissa Oden's abortion survivors network is doing incredible work and trying to bring survivors together, testify before Congress and really provide a face to choice. And so what I would like to do is help her from a media angle through projects like this, through the Super Bowl, possibly through the Olympics, um, potentially through billboards just, you know, my mother had brought up that potential just to have their faces everywhere in culture. There are so many ways that media can actually get through to Americans who simply don't typically think about this topic. And it's not just Americans either. I have had an incredible response from people all over the world asking to translate um, these videos into German, French, Italian, uh, Greek, uh, Spanish, uh, Polish, Hungarian. Those are just ones mm. I've received today. I'm sure I've even forgotten a couple of the ones that I've received. Right. Um, so this really does have the potential to change things. Looking a survivor in the eye and being confronted with a question of are you telling me that I should be dead? That can change things. And so the goal is really to keep this as high profile in the media as possible from every possible vantage point.
0: Right, and you have a, such a strong message and what I wanted to also ask you is, I noticed there's a link on your website that says surrendering the secret, and I went on it and checked that you have an opportunity to connect others with you know, the people that have had the abortions and are uh, dealing with the pain of it, because I also did read about women years after the abortion experiencing a psychological pain from it. Yeah. Do you want to tell our listeners what that's about, surrendering the secret? Definitely.
1: So... In realizing that this is a very heavy topic and in realizing that we are asking people to actually confront choice for what it truly is, we also do not want women who are post-abortive to walk away feeling hated or disparaged or condemned in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, We want them to realize that there is hope and forgiveness and reconciliation in Christ. And, That is something that so many of our survivors actually say in their videos. The beautiful thing is that about half of our survivors were actually raised by their biological parents and their families and, excuse me, now have great relationships with their biological mothers. But the other half, or adopted and are being raised by love or were raised by loving families as well. But most of the ones who were adopted have reconciled with their biological mothers and have nothing but good things to say about them and have close relationships with them. And so, Denisha Workiser's personal testimony in particular, she really does talk about the themes of hope and love and forgiveness and redemption and reconciliation. Uh, hope Hoffman does as well, the lady with the, the head injury. She is a beautiful girl and loves her mother so much and they have a a beautiful relationship. And we just want women to realize that if you, if you look at the Christian faith, Joanna, Paul Mm -hmm. is revered among, or maybe even above many others in our, in our faith. He wrote two thirds of the new Testament. No one thinks anything negative of Paul. When you think of Paul, you think of, wow, this guy really knew what he was talking about and was inspired by the Holy Spirit and, and wrote a huge portion of the scripture. The thing is, though, is that Paul, before he was Paul, was named Saul and he spent a huge portion of his life killing Christians. Right. And his testimony, his person, his ability to be receptive to the Holy Spirit and to write what he did, I don't know that he would have had that ability. I don't know that he would have been that person had he not first been Saul. And it's not to say that, oh, it's a good thing that that, you know, he killed Christians. But what it's saying is that he has been fully redeemed and not just redeemed, but brought into an absolute newness of life in Christ. And no one thinks of him as Saul. They think of him as Paul. Right. And I think that Christ gives that opportunity to every woman, every person, give the opportunity to me, to you, to everybody. But if we're talking about on the issue of abortion. This is not something that needs to weigh you down if you are post-abortive. This is not something that you are somehow required to live in guilt and in shame and in self-loathing for the rest of your life. This is something that you literally can hand over to Christ and be done with and walk in forgiveness and healing and use your past, use your testimony, use this experience to help other people. And so that is what I would tell women. And to look at surrendering the secret, they have incredible resources for post-abortive situations and they have outreaches for men as well. We understand that men are also suffering who are, who have experienced abortion in their, in their lives through the loss of a child. And so that is another important demographic that we want to make sure has resources. And our website is still developing. We'll be also linking information soon about adoption outreaches for individuals who may be pregnant and want to give their child life, but know that they cannot raise that child. And so there are so many incredible resources for adoption, and we want to make all of these things readily available. And also, um, I do want to mention on our website, we have Kathy Altman, who was a former abortion doctor. Her testimony is on there as well. And Her testimony is incredible. I would encourage everyone to listen to it. A former doctor, a former abortion doctor speaking out. That's that's right. And the incredible thing is, Jennifer Milbourne, one of our um, vacuum aspiration survivors, she, um, when she came for the recording, uh, Kathy was there as well. Dr. Altman was there as well. And um, at that, on that particular set at that particular time. And When Jennifer was telling her story, she mentioned how the reason that she survived her abortion appointment was because her head was too big to crush at the time, in the late 70s. And as a matter of typical practice, uh, she was a bit further along. And I guess that the forceps that they had were not capable of crushing her skull. And that's why she survived. And Kathy actually told her, I thank God that I was not your abortionist. Because if I had been, I would have completed that abortion. She said, I had that situation happen with other, other babies whose heads were technically too big to crush, but I went forward with the abortion anyway, and I was successful. Yeah. And so there was so much forgiveness and healing in that room. It was mm-hmm. incredible. And they actually both referenced that in their videos. They both talk about each other. But the reason I brought this up is because there's another organization called And Then There Were None. And what that refers to is, the nun refers to there being no more abortion doctors or nurses or practitioners. This is actually an organization for people trying to leave the abortion industry. And so we will also be putting up a connection to that on our website um, next to Kathy's testimony, um, talking about people who left the abortion industry and providing resources for, for anyone else who may want to do the same. You know, and I'm
0: glad you touched on the subject of abortion, I mean, uh, adoption, because, you know, sometimes I think like we live in such a contradictory world. Uh, In one way, you know, abortion is so um, normalized. But then on the other side, the people who can't have children and can't conceive, they spend thousands and thousands of dollars on expensive in vitro treatments. Mm -hmm. And they go through a lot of anguish and pain. Uh, instead of just uh, maybe looking to the other side and thinking that, you know, they could adopt. Yeah. you There's know, There's so many
1: children that need
0: homes. Right. You know, if we look at it that way, in a simple way, without complicating everything, it would be just so much easier.
1: I would encourage people to look up Josiah Presley's story on our channel. He was adopted and I don't know how many siblings he has. But um, I've seen pictures of his family. I just haven't counted. But he has many, many siblings who are adopted alongside with him. His family has a beautiful, beautiful family. And you can just see the love there. There's not not any kind of weird dynamic. They are an incredibly close-knit family. And I would just encourage people who are considering that to listen to his story, to listen to how he talks about his parents and the love that he talks about how his parents are the reason that he understands the love of Christ and that you know he dealt with, with self-loathing and self-hatred because of the deformed arm that was the result of the abortion, but that his parents helped him realize that um, life is, is precious and it's a gift from God and it's not meant to be discarded, but life is also not meant to be wasted in hatred. Mm-hmm. And that is just such a profound statement that he made and it's just fundamental. It's fundamental to everything in our humanity. Right. Well, um, I
0: think that you guys are doing um, what you're doing. You started this organization. You're doing great things. And I truly hope that uh, Faces of Choice will grow and change. I always change the world. I always believe, you know, we can change the world one person at a time one woman at a time one man at a time and we just have to be brave and speak up and that's what you're doing and I really wanted to thank you to talk about these difficult um, subjects not many people want to talk about it and taking the time to share everything with our listeners I really appreciate it
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And I would just ask that your listenership pray um, for this organization. There's been a lot of things behind the scenes that have been going on even prior to the situation with Fox. I would would just call it spiritual warfare that has affected basically everyone involved with this project. And so I would just ask them to pray, pray for just protection and wisdom and the mind of Christ. I would ask for that, that, that everyone, that I and everyone involved keeps the mind of Christ and pray for the survivors too, because I don't think people realize this is not just, they didn't just survive another fine. There are a lot of elements of pain that last a very long time from something like this. Right. And so just pray for them and pray for healing and that you know, there's, there's an estimated, a conservative estimate that there's possibly 40,000 survivors of abortion living in the United States alone. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a huge, a huge population that is basically silenced. And so they need healing and you have to be able to talk and confront your demons, so to speak, to be able to heal. And so that's my hope that through what the abortion survivors network is doing and through this media wing, that not only will we change culture, but we'll actually also be able to help usher in healing.
0: Okay. And again, I just want to mention your website's, website. It's facesofchoice.org. And you also have a hashtag, Face uh,
1: the Choice. The Choice and Faces of Choice. And our handle for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is the at sign. So at Face the Choice.
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Lyric. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks for having me. Did you enjoy this interview? Then why not hop on over to anchor.fm forward slash chic to leave us a voice message. We will publish your comments on our next episode. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more exciting content, visit our website at caramelchic.com.